In Matthew, the chapter is 14, 23. Let's pick up there. Matthew writes and he says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, speaking of Jesus, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But watch this. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand, and he caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You may be seated in the house of God. Just for a few, a few moments while, while it lasts, <laughs> I just, I want to, I want to share from this thought. Don't miss the little miracles. Don't miss the, don't miss the little miracles, man. Is that all right? In this, in this whole, in this, in this pericope of text. Pericope, y'all heard that word? Just make me sound intelligent, don't it? <laughs> pericope is a fancy preacher word <laughs> that describes a block of text. So in this pericope, everybody say pericope. <laughs> I don't normally do that crowd participation like that. I just want to hear y'all say it, pericope. <laughs> but in this, in this block of text, we have a whole lot going on. Jesus um, has, been, has been, his ministry is now launched. And he's beginning to teach and preach and go all over the place. And what happens is that he chooses to, to speak and teach in parables. So he, he finds himself on a seashore or, or on the beach, and people flock to hear from Jesus. 
the master shares and he uh, 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 he blesses people and he's healing folk and the more he heals the more they come and the more he does the more they show up and it's coming to a point where it's where it's difficult for Jesus to get away from the folk because he also needs time to get by himself. And so, so what happens is that as he goes from district to district and city to city, the master is teaching and preaching and sharing and here they come just from all over the place. And he finally comes to a point where, where, where he's done uh, 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 traveling and he tries to come home. And when he comes home in, in Matthew chapter 13, toward the end of the chapter, when he comes home, he begins to share the word of God there. And when he shares there, his own, his own city, the folk in his own hometown become the biggest haters to his ministry. And it gets so frustrating for Jesus. Because folk like to, like to talk and pick at you. Said, what you going to do now? And, and Jesus finally says, he says that a prophet is not without honor. Save his own country. In other words, in other words, it's a shame that folk on the outside appreciate me more than those in my own hometown. And so as Jesus, as Jesus shares uh, that small caveat of frustration, I'll call it, he says that other folk, they dig what I'm doing, but my own people, they don't seem to appreciate nothing. And at the end of chapter 13, at verse number 58, I want to show you a, just a small tragedy. It says, and this is, this is in his own hometown. He says, and he did not many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. I want you to see, I want you to see Jesus in his, in his divine celestial frustration as he looks at his own. Folk from his own hometown who you can't tell nothing to. And, and he, the tragedy is that he wants to do so much for home, but he can't because home is the one that overlooks who he is. It's a shame when you can't be appreciated even at home. I don't know how many can identify with what it feels like to labor and do all that you can for those that you care the most about, but it seems like they are the ones who take you for granted. So what happens is that, is that Jesus shares with his own folk and then and then folk have the tendency to now come with bad news. What happens is that, is that it says, 
verse number, uh, chapter 14, verse number 1, at that time, Herod the Tetarch heard of the fame of Jesus. Now, you have many, you, you have, you have many different Herods around the times of the gospel. You have, you have Herod the Great. You have Herod Antipas. You have Herod Agrippa. You have several different Herods, but this particular Herod here was exceptionally foul. <laughs> this Herod here, this dude, man, he had, uh, he had a brother-in-law, or half-brother, if you will, named Philip I. He was hooked up with this lady named Herodias. That was his wife. Herod fooled around and took his wife from him. And when he took his wife, John the Baptist, who was a profound gospel preacher during that day, he had the, the unmitigated gall. <laughs> and the unmatched audacity to have the nerve to stand up and say, Herod, you foul. And boy, when he did that, he made Herodias upset. Oh, sister girl was upset. She was, she was, so, she was so mad at John the Baptist she kicked off her heels and took Vaseline and spread it all over. I'm just playing, but she was, she was ready to go. She was so mad and she was so angry that she said, I'm going to get that rascal. I'm going to get him. And what happened was is that there was a wedding that took place. Her daughter, her daughter knew she knew how to work that thing. She was, she was a dancer and a half. That girl got to dancing. I don't know if she did the stanky leg or not, but she was dancing. And, and when she started dancing, it got to the point where, where Harris' wife had talked him into giving her anything that she wanted. She plotted, and she said, she said, I want you to ask, I want you to ask for the head of John the Baptist. John, who sits in prison, who has already sent messages to Jesus saying, art thou the Christ, or should we look for another? She says, she says, I want him dead. I want him dead. Herod, he has John the Baptist, his head cut off. And they bring his head on a charger or on a plate or in a bag. And they give it as a gift. Bear in mind, bear in mind that John the Baptist, he was also, he was also cousin to Jesus. You remember, you remember when, when, when Mary had gone down to visit Elizabeth and the baby jumped in the womb? John and Jesus were cousins. 
I don't know if they had family reunions at that time, but if they did, they probably played kickball together. Maybe, maybe they had, they had enjoyed a, a lamb rib together. <laughs> but they were cousins. John, even on one occasion, in John chapter 1, verse number 34, he talked about, behold, I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of God. During Jesus' preaching and teaching and even John's ministry, John was always pointing at Jesus. Well, what happens is that in this, in this context, John, John's head has been cut off. This is Jesus's, this is his cousin. I want you to see this too. And at verse number, verse number 12, matter of fact, verse number 11, it says, and his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, Herod's daughter or Herodias' daughter had the head of John the Baptist because her mama was foul. And it says, it says, and she brought it to her mama. Watch this. And the disciples came and took up the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. This is Jesus' cousin, man. When, they, when, they, when the disciples came to Jesus and they, they told him what happened to his cousin, they had already buried the body. John the Baptist was buried without his head. And Jesus is having to deal with people coming saying, we want a peace. Please heal us. Please help us. Jesus is saying, I'm mourning my cousin, man. The multitudes, they continue to follow and they gather around and it gets to the point where, where, where Jesus just gets tired, but he's still out there healing folk because he had compassion. He had compassion on, on the people, on the multitude. It got, so, it got so rough that what ended up happening was the people came and they sat around and, and the disciples came to Jesus and they said, it's a whole lot of folk that's over here, man. Send them, send them away because they're getting hungry. And you know how folk is when they get hungry. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said, well, go give them something to eat. They said, we ain't got nothing. And to further emphasize the point, they said that all we have is two fish and five loaves. Jesus, I see, I see him as he, as he says, bring it. Just bring it. Just two fish and five loaves, bring it. Bring it. And then he says, Jesus says, he said, make the men sit down. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when fellas, brethren, when we learn to sit down. 
Jesus says, make the men sit down. The men sat. Jesus took the two fish and five loaves, and he blessed the bread, and he broke it, and he gave to the disciples. He blessed, he broke, he gave, and he kept blessing and kept breaking and kept giving. And the disciples distributed to all the people, so much so that after they finished, they had more left over than what they started with in the first place. And Jesus says, man, I'm tired. He says, he says, disciples, you go to the other side. Go to Gennesaret. Go to the other side. I'm going to deal with the people, but y'all go to the other side. Just take the boat and go. He turns to the people and he, he tells the people, y'all go ahead and you go home as well. Leave. Depart from me. <laughs> they leave. Jesus goes up into a mountain to pray so he can get by himself. And then what happens is that the disciples are out there. He told them to go to the other side. Jesus now, about, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Scripture says the fourth watch of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes and he's walking on water. And you know what tripped me out about the text is that I always envisioned it that the sea was calm, but it wasn't a calm sea. The text says that the winds were boisterous as Jesus is walking on water. He's not paying attention to the water itself. My master is walking on the water. The water, metaphorically speaking, becomes our problems. And what Jesus is showing in his smooth Jesus way is that your problems, even though they might be boisterous, they ain't nothing to me either because I can just walk on top of your problems. And as Jesus steps and he continues to walk, what happens is the disciples, they look. And they see somebody off in the distance and they get scared. And when they get scared, Jesus says, it's me. Do not be afraid. I got this. As he steps on the problems. <laughs> Peter, who I'm thankful for. Peter looks out and he says, you see, what I'm thankful for with Peter is that, is that Peter at least has the, has the honesty and the childlikeness to say what many of us won't say. We try to be so cute and so, 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 so sophisticated. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, I want to come. What would you do if you were in the boat? Peter says, I want to come. Somebody else will say, Peter, man, be quiet. Peter says, I want to come. 
Do you know what my master said to, Jesus, said to Peter? He didn't say, man, oh, hold on, dog. This is too rough for you. Jesus didn't say, you know, you, you always bumping your gums, Peter. Hush. Jesus, Jesus says, metaphorically speaking again, that I'm walking on your problems. You want to try to handle your own problems? He tells Peter, come. He just says, come. And Peter jumps out of the boat and he starts walking toward Jesus. And when Peter saw, when Peter saw that the winds were boisterous, you know what happened? Peter started sinking. He said, Lord Jesus, Lord help me. And you know what Jesus does? See, it couldn't have been me. It couldn't have been me. Y'all, I'm, 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 I'd have waited till Peter started, started gurgling just a little bit. <laughs> Don't act like that. Some of y'all are just as trifling as me. <laughs> but immediately, Jesus reaches out, he grabs Peter. Pulls Peter into the boat. And then when they get in the boat, when they get in the boat, what happens is that the other disciples, they worship Jesus. They fall down and they worship Jesus. Y'all see that? Watch this. Watch this. Some folk... Some folk are so negative, but they can look a gift horse in the mouth and miss it. I have been accustomed to dealing with this text in a way that highlights Peter's failings. Because Peter lost his vision and he sank. Ain't that bad? Looking at the water, not paying attention to Jesus, took his eyes off Jesus and he sank. That's a shame. But you know what's crazy, man? Is that there is this thing, there's this thing, and it's called progressive sanctification. What it means is that, is that we progressively we're sanctified. When you are baptized into Christ for the remission of sin, we are at that point sanctified, separated for the use of God. But do you not know that just because you have been baptized, that doesn't mean that all your problems go away. It doesn't mean that you lose all your bad habits. If you went down into the water cussing, And you, you know what's funny is, is sometimes church cussing is, is, is worse than in, than in the streets, praise God. <laughs> Upset the wrong person if you want to. <laughs> Amen. Just snatch that wig off and let you have it, praise God. 
you can start off, you can start off here. Progressive sanctification suggests that I get better as I grow in Christ. Do you not know, do you not know that you ought to be better today than you were a couple years ago? Don't you know that some of the stuff that bothers you now or some of the stuff that bothered you then, it ought not bother you now? There are, there are, there are some things that, uh, that I could do back in the day that I can't do now. But I'm, I'm still a work in progress, y'all. Because there's still some things that started with me here at level zero that as I got better, I still ain't dropped at all. There's some stuff that I do now that I just wish that I ain't got it quite licked. And before you ask and get funny, it ain't none of your business because I, you, I know you got some stuff too. Amen. But progressive sanctification says that, that I will start off here, but in Christ as I grow, I'm going to get better. And the goal is to get better and better in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? The disciples were all in the same boat. They all saw the same storm. They all saw the same Jesus walking on water. And one, one decided, Lord, if it's you, let me come out there with you. I love that. He says, he says, let me come with you. And I just believe in my heart of hearts that what, that what the master is looking for is not perfection. He is looking for some disciples to say, Lord, I want to be with you. I want to do what you do. I want to be like you, Jesus. In this thing of discipleship, it is about bringing others to Christ, but at the end of the day, I, I can't help but see it the way that I see it. At the end of the day, it is also about us as disciples getting better and holding one another to get better and encouraging one another to get better and loving one another enough to get better so that if the individual gets better, the whole church gets, gets better. And so, and so, at the same time, I kind of feel that one of the reasons why we don't get better is because we, it's because we miss the small miracles. Peter, in this text, he sank. He sank. He did. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know what trips me out? Is that Jesus walked on water, right? Do you see the other miracle? Do you see the little miracle? Jesus walked on water. And Peter walked on water. Peter, who liked to cuss. Peter, who would pull out his switchblade. Peter, who had, the, who had the tendency to pop off at the mouth. Peter walked on water. If, if Jesus could take a cussing, fighting, cutting, double-tongued, 
unstable-minded man from time to time. It caused him to walk on water. I just believe, I believe that he can, he, that the master can do something with this little old heart of mine. And he can do something with you as well. He took, he took Peter and let Peter walk on water. And when Peter walked, see, this is, this is the part that, that, oh, that really tripped me out. I'm curious by nature. Brother Gay, this is what's missed. We're still in, in Matthew chapter 14. I want you all to see this. After they come back into the water, somebody, somebody pick up. Uh, we got readers. Begin reading at verse number 32. Because, because Jesus, he sort of upbraids Peter because he says, Oh, thou of little faith, why did you have doubt? This is after he brings him into the ship. But this is what I want you to see. Verse number 32, what does the book say? And when they got into the boat. When they, when they came into the boat. The wind stopped. The wind stopped. <laughs> the, problems, the problem ceased when Jesus and Peter got together. The wind, I don't have time to deal with it, but the wind ceased. What does it say? And those who were in the boat worshipped him. Those that were in the boat, they worshipped him. Saying? What'd they say? You are certainly God's son. Without a doubt, I know who you are. But here's, here's, here's what gets me. And when they had... No, 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 no. When... When they got into the boat, the Bible says that those that were in the boat, the other disciples, they worshiped Jesus. You know what's missing? You know what's missing? I don't see what they said to Peter. Peter who would deny Jesus later on. Peter, who had the tendency to speak out of turn. What discipleship is about is about picking one another up. I don't see the conversation that they had with Peter. What would you have said to Peter after he gets back up out of the water? Would you have said that's what you get? Shouldn't have had no business taking yourself out there in the first place. You ain't no savior. You sit your little narrow self down. You'll be all right sometimes. That's what you get running your mouth. But you know what? The ones who would criticize Peter when it comes to levels of faith, as far as, as, far as uh, 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 this thing that we are calling progressive sanctification, if they started off here where they were in the boat, if, one, if when they were in the boat with Peter, they all started out at level zero. When, when Peter gets back in the boat, they are still at level zero. At least Peter at least made it to level five. Folk can always see what you didn't do and where you're missing and where you're messing stuff up. I get so tired of dealing with folk who can't see nothing but the negatives and everything. 
if you give me 60 items to do and I complete 58 or 52, you know what's crazy? Some folk will focus on the eight. Peter walked on water and all we see is that he sank. The man walked on water. Some of us sitting back, well, if he was really all that, he, he, he should have grabbed a catfish. <laughs> he walked on water, and all you see is the fact that he sank. Well, at the end of the day, at least Peter could say, I walked on water. <laughs> if I was in that boat as one of them disciples, I'm just crazy by nature. I can't help it. Peter, what did that feel like, man? What did it feel like being, being energized? What did the water feel like? Was it spongy or was it hard? Peter, what were you thinking when you walked? Peter, yes, I know you messed up, but I'm thankful for the fact that though you messed up, at least you had the courage to get out there in the first place. At least you had the wherewithal to say, I'm going to trust the Lord. You might start off trusting the Lord and sometimes we might fall, but at least Peter stepped out because Jesus said, come. And the master now is saying to us as his disciples, he's saying, come. Come. Yeah, you're going to mess up, but come. You might not make it all the way, but come. But come. And Peter stepped out there, man. For at least, at least nine steps, I'll just give it to him. At least nine steps, boy. <laughs> Peter made it do what it do, baby. And what it reminds me of is that there are times, even in my life, can I be personal? I've made some good decisions in life but I've also made some decisions that I'm not proud of. I have, I haven't been to the mountaintop and seen the promised land, but I made it, I made it halfway up the hill. And, and in the travels, I recognize my lows, but I also recognize the highs. I'm not stuck on the lows because at some point I at least made one right decision and that was to follow the master. You can criticize, you can criticize where I fell short and I can criticize where you have fallen short. But at the end of the day, I'm thankful that Jesus, that Jesus loves me enough to say, though you may sink, I will immediately reach my hand out to you and pull you back with me because you belong to me. And that's what he did. And then, and then finally, finally, as we close, I don't miss this. Don't miss this, man. <clears throat> Paul writes, and he talks about behold or or, and without 
controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. He says, he says, God was manifest in the flesh, seen of angels. Do you not know that Jesus, Jesus left the comforts of heaven to come down here and be with us? And he says, he says, I want you to be like me. And, and what I see in this text is something that gives me great comfort, and I hope, it, I hope it does the same thing for you. Jesus, who is, the, who is the epitome of all that it means to be great and good, Jesus came and he says, I'm going to sit and I'm going to sup with you. And the master left heaven to come and, and kick it with us as his children. And when, and when he came, what he did is he left, he left the splendors of heaven and he became a servant or he became man. God left heaven to become man. God left heaven to become man. And he says, if you roll with me long enough, if you trust me long enough, if your heart stays with me long enough, I will bid you to come. And when I say come, I will turn you from a mere man and allow you even for five steps to become like God. Because Peter experienced godliness even if it was just five steps five steps to eternity <laughs> he said come Peter came he trusted enough at that point I just hope at some point that, that we that we come to a point where we stop seeing all of the negative in folk. That we stop seeing what's wrong with other disciples all the time. That at some point, instead of looking and seeing where you messed up, that I congratulate you and at least encourage you for the steps that you took. I wonder, man, remember, remember when, when, when Jesus, uh, uh, at the Last Supper, when he washed the feet of the disciples, they had finished eating, and that's when he took bread. I wonder, I wonder if the, if the negativity in us, if we could see a fellow disciple sitting across from the table and see spaghetti stains on his shirt. I wonder, man, when are we going to come to the point where we stop always seeing what's wrong with folk and, and appreciate at least what's right? As children of God, I just believe that at some point, if God, if God can look at us and see the beauty and the goodness in us, we ought to try to do the same one with another. As disciples, one of our jobs is to help uplift one another. Jesus said that by this, 
shall all men know that you are my disciples, not because you teach, hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, not because you sing without the aid of mechanical instruments. He said that you will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Where, where, where is the love, man? Is there somebody that you can show some love to? Is there somebody, somebody in this congregation that you can reach out to and say, you know what, man? We may not have the best of relationships at this point, but I want to get to know you, man. Can we sit down and just have an That's why I love the men's retreat, because we, we get to sit down and talk and just enjoy one another and appreciate the good things about one another. And at the end of the day, I just believe that's what Christ is calling us all to do, to see the good in one another, to see, to see those beneficial things in all of us. Because I think as a congregation, we have withstood some strong, some, some mighty winds, some mighty winds. And at the end of the day, we've also had some failings. But at least we did it. And when we did it, we did it as a church. We did it as, a, we did it as God's folk. And there's also, there's also some great things left to do. Amen? That's, that's, that's all I have for you. Amen. I just, I don't know who I'm, who I'm speaking to, but if you're not a child of God, I want you to know that Jesus is inviting you just as he did with Peter. He's saying, come. And when he says, come, he knows that, 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 that if you come, you're, that you're not going to be perfect because everybody in here is going to mess up. Everybody in here don't mess up? Since you, since you became a baptized believer, have you made a mistake? Amen. Praise God. I thought I, I was talking to the wrong folk for a second. Jesus is saying, come. How do you come? Through hearing the word, believing the same, repenting of your sins, confessing Christ to be the Son of God, going down in the watery grave of baptism, and that for the remission of sins. And once that happens... Once that happens, you may, you may take your eyes off and sink. You may fall, but Jesus is always going to be there to reach out and pick you back up through the mode of repentance. If we confess our sins, he is just and right to forgive us. And I'm just thankful for who he is. Amen. I don't know if, if uh, uh, maybe, maybe somewhere in your life you just need prayer. Somewhere uh, you just, you know, you just know that I haven't done all that I need to do, but I just want somebody to pray for me. If you need prayer, this is your opportunity to come. If you want to be saved, this, this is your opportunity to come. If you just want to, want to just be better, this is still your opportunity to come. And I pray that you will come as together we stand and as together we sing the Lord's invitation. Look for the small miracles in your life, man. Just come.